It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is Piff the Magic Dragon, who in addition to his popular residency at the Flamingo, Thursdays through Mondays at 7 p.m., has announced his first one-hour special, Reptile Dysfunction, which premiered July 1st on his own YouTube channel. And Penn Gillette joins Piff for a special appearance as Pop the Magic Dragon. For everything about Piff, go to PiffTheMagicDragon.com and you can follow him on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And Piff, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. Absolutely, it'll be a pleasure. How did you develop the character of Piff the Magic Dragon, or were you always somewhat strange to begin with, and then it was just a matter of putting a costume on? Well, not really strange so much as grumpy. (laughs) I come from England, and I have resting grumpy face. (laughs) So I was a magician for many years, and I kept getting fired because I looked too miserable. (laughs) <laughs> I, did a, I did a wedding once and this guy came up to me and he said, what is your problem? You're like the ear of magic. And then he, uh, and he fired me because he was the groom. So it was a real problem. But uh, my sister, I got invited to a costume party and my sister had a dragon outfit under her bed and I didn't ask why, but I wore it to this costume and no one else is in costume apart from me. So for once I was appropriately grumpy. <laughs> and... Um, uh, my friends were coming up to me asking me what I was supposed to be. And I was like, I'm a dragon. Uh, and you're supposed to be in costume. And one of my friends said, you should do this in your act. You could be Puff the Magic Dragon. I said, wait, I could be Piff the Magic Dragon. You might have heard of my older brother, Steve. <laughs> and I thought that was funny enough to give a try. Plus Puff the Magic Dragon, of course, for those of us old enough to remember Peter, Paul, and Mary. So yeah. if the magic dragon was by you, which is even better. I would have asked my sister, what was that costume doing under the bed? I didn't want to know. Fair enough. I would have asked, though. Okay. So now you're combining comedy and magic in your act, dress as a dragon, and there are other elements which we'll get into as well. And of course, we're going to talk about your YouTube show as well that you just launched. But how did you decide to put the elements together? You have an assistant. And that, by means of explanation, is a dog. And you have another assistant, by means of explanation, is a showgirl. Yeah. And how did that come about? How did you end up putting the pieces together? Well, it all naturally evolved, really. I was doing a show in Edinburgh, at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And um, I thought there was something missing from my act. It was just me. And the girl who was running the venue, she had a chihuahua. And my publicist said, why don't you put the chihuahua in your act? So we did, and it was a big hit. So the next day I went out and I adopted Mr. Piffles, who is a rescue dog. Yes, he's a cutie. He is a chihuahua. Yeah. And then you added the showgirl. Yeah, well, Jade and I met in Las Vegas. We were introduced by Lance Burton. And um, we met and we started. And um, I... And she was, she's an incredible dancer and comedian. And I said one day, hey, why don't you, um, why don't you, oh. I hear, I hear someone. I like that. Those are the dogs. 
I like it. I said, why don't you, you know, be in the act? And she agreed and she was an instant hit. And she's been in the show now for the past seven years. Did you have, I don't know if this is the correct term. Do you have a backup piffles? We don't have a backup piffles. No, he's the one and only. He's 14 and a half now. Do you have a backup showgirl? Oh, no backup, no backup showgirl, no backup piffles. They're irreplaceable. Exactly. But if one gets sick, for example, and you don't want that to happen, the show must go on. Must it? I don't know. That's a good philosophical question, which we can return to once we go down that road. So, yes. So now you've decided, which is very nice, to put together a YouTube show, which premiered, as I mentioned, July 1st on your own YouTube channel. Just go to Piff the Magic Dragon. And in that, you have a guest visitor, someone whose show you have appeared on. Why did you decide to do this? Reptile dysfunction. Yeah, it's the first, it's our first hour-long special. And um, we shot it a couple of years ago. And we've been editing it since. It features a whole bunch of tricks from the Las Vegas show, from the old show when we were in the Piff and Magic Dragon Theatre, because we've actually moved theatres and, and, and now we have a brand new show. So now is a good time to put out the old material. Um, and it also features, as you say, Pendulette in a dragon outfit as Pop the Magic Dragon, my long lost father. <laughs> the, uh, the idea is a good one because... I mentioned, obviously, your residency here in Las Vegas, but YouTube gives you a chance to reach the world. And for those people thinking of coming to Las Vegas who listen to this show, they can go to the YouTube channel, watch your show, and get a sense of you and Piff and everybody else. And Exactly. Yeah. No, that, that was very good marketing. I like that. If they like what they see there, they're going to love the show. Is there? I mentioned to you earlier about a backup Mr. Piffles and a backup showgirl. Is there a backup dragon costume? I do have more than one dragon costume, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how often do you change that out? Is it when one starts to smell, or how does that actually work? Or you just decide if it gets torn, you'll do something? No, it's, uh, I change them out for, so that I'm always fresh. Yes. <laughs> Very good. How do you shuttle between your character, Piff the Magic Dragon, and the human side of you? I just take off the dragon outfit. That's it? That's it. That's yeah. easy. It's that easy. It's really, Piff is just a, um, the version of me I would be if I could get away with it. And then the dragon <laughs> outfit, I can get away with it. When you first started doing magic, what was it that got you into magic? I've talked to Lance Burton about his background in, in learning magic and, and other magicians as well, Fielding West, et cetera. What, what was your motivation for getting into magic and how old were you at the time? I was probably about 15 and I was watching a TV show which had these magicians doing card tricks on. And I loved it so much that I thought I want, that I uh, decided to learn. And um, I learned card tricks and I would do them at school and I would uh, do little gigs around the place. And it just sort of snowballed from there. Did you ever decide to go a different direction other than magic and then comedy or comedy and then magic? Meaning, were you thinking of doing something else, whether it was to be a doctor or a plumber or something else? Or was it always show business? Uh, I did have a degree. I did go to university to get a degree in case the magic thing didn't work out. But um, I've never really used it. 
What was the degree in? Computer science. The segue then from computer science into entertainment, was that right after you finished the university, you then started, decided you're going to go a different direction and then started working in, in clubs and in shows, etc.? Yeah. I started working in comedy clubs at first. And I worked my way up from, you know, doing five minutes, doing 10 minutes, 20 minutes and being a feature in these in these uh, in these clubs. And um, over the years, I got a couple of breaks on a, on TV. I did a show in the UK called Penn and Teller Fallers. And uh, that that led to lots of people knowing who I was. And and it got me a, sh- a small part in a big show in Las Vegas. And then once I was there in 2013, I, I was able to, you know, I loved, I loved being in Vegas. And when that show closed, I thought, how can I stay? How can I, how can I get a lot more people to know who I am uh, and, and get my own show in Las Vegas? And I ended up doing America's Got Talent. And that led to, that led to my own show at the Flamingo. Again, it's interesting how you marketed that in the sense of using a national network show to keep you in Las Vegas with your own show. And yeah. You started out small and then as large. Have you integrated yourself into the magic community in Las Vegas? Because there is a vibrant one here, has been for many, many years, even though Lance is now back in Kentucky, the, the magic club that was around is still there. And there's just the, the magicians. I know you're good friends with Penn Jillette, but are you part of that whole magic scene in Las Vegas? I'm kind of, you know, I, I, I do a ton of shows each week, so I tend to, tend to be busy doing those. But, um, you know, I, I always like it when a fellow magician comes through and we can say hi and shoot the breeze with them. When you were writing your act initially, were you basing it on others that you saw for inspiration? Your act is original, but were you thinking of approaches that you had seen before with other magicians or other performers? Yeah, I think everything is built on, on the work of you know others eventually. But I always tried to be original and be be different from the beginning. Who are some of the magicians that you look to at least for inspiration? Because there's a mix of there are serious magicians and then there are comedy magicians. Who there's balance? I think of Carl Ballantyne going back many decades yeah. in that genre. Were you looking at those kinds of magicians, or you were just looking more for the technique of the magic presentation and then adding your own personality and approach? I would start with the idea for a trick. You know, what if we shot piffles out of a cannon, for example? And then, and then I would work on the method on how that, on how to do that. And then there's the writing of the approach of the character to that as well. That would come later. First, you would look at the mechanics of it, or you'd come up with the idea, then the mechanics of it, and then the writing of the material. Would that be the sequence that you would follow? Yeah, it's, it's find an idea, then put it on stage, see if the audience likes it. And if the audience like it, then develop it further. So was there one person, though, that you looked at that was the best for you as far as a modeling if that's the word for a magician? Um, I like Penn and Teller. Or, you know, they've been, they've been sort of the greatest since when I was a kid. So, um, you know, it's been, it's been amazing getting to know them over the years and understand their process a bit more from the inside. 
I watched a video of you performing on their show here in Las Vegas. It was your return performance. You could see the absolute delight that Penn and Teller saw in you when you came on stage. You did your performance. I don't want to give it away. People can watch it on YouTube, but with the, the mini elephants, as I call it. Yeah. And you could just see the joy that both Penn and Teller had in terms of your appearance and your performance. Is that because of the close friendship? Yeah. I, they sort of adopted me in Las Vegas. When I arrived here, they were, they, um, they really showed me around town and, um, and looked after me. So when, when I think, I think that's what you see there. Yes. It's very genuine and very authentic in that sense. Are you still annoyed that you still haven't fooled them? No, one day, one day, (laughs) one day I'll, I'll, I'll I'll do it. Yes. They didn't, they did not show on that particular piece of video. They did not show why you had not fooled them, which I think is better that way. They just said that, no, you had not fooled them. And they were willing to take that chance with you, even though you were friends. So they rejected you, but as friends. Yeah. (laughs) So are you going to come back again? Who knows? All right. Well, we'll keep keep, keep track. How long did it take you to put together the show that is now on YouTube? Um, It took about three years off and on. You know, we recorded the show live uh, at the Flamingo, and then we interspersed it with some bits and pieces around Las Vegas, and then we edited it all together. Do you travel much now because of your commitment to the schedule here in Las Vegas? Do you get a chance to no, travel? Not as much anymore. All right. No. What about- we used to tour every weekend, but now we just tour uh, once or twice a year. And when you do tour, do you go to back to Great Britain or do you tour just in the United States or Europe? No, or where does it go? Just United States, really. Is it because of the lack of time in terms of the, the whole thing? Yeah, we've only got a certain amount of time. And, right. um, and you know, I'm, I'm more well known in America than I am in my home country. That is amazing given your history there. And yet, because I think of America's Got Talent and Penn and Teller's show, so many people know you in the United States and come to see you in Las Vegas at the Flamingo, that it just seems odd that others can't see you. Maybe the YouTube video will fix that, and you'll become as well Fingers crossed. Yes, no, absolutely. What is it about the British sense of humor that's different than the American sense of humor? When you were performing there, in that character, was the reaction different than it is in the United States? No, but, you know, show business is made up of lucky breaks. And I got my biggest break in America. Were you surprised at the reaction to your performance on America's Got Talent? Yeah. You know, you never know what to expect. And people like Howard Stern became cheerleaders for me, which is just crazy. Um, and Harry Mandel, you know, these are people that I love. They're, I, they're icons of comedy and broadcasting. And to have these people on my side, um, you know, supporting me along the journey was, was incredible. It was 2015 that you appeared on America's Got Talent. And then in 2020, 2020, you were crowned the winner of the TBS's Tournament of Laughs. Yeah. And the year before, you were voted one of Variety's top 10 dragons to watch. Okay, I made that up. It was actually top 10 comics to watch. 
and yet you're a magician as well. So how do you deal with the dichotomy between magic and comedy, or is it all integrated within you and the character? I've always done both of them. You know, I, I always like telling jokes between the tricks and having funny things happen along the way. So to me, they've always been inseparable. Um, and I wouldn't have it any other way, really. What's the funniest thing that has happened to you performing in Las Vegas from an audience standpoint, meaning a reaction from the audience to something that you do? Oh, you get all sorts of reactions. You know, people, you know, I've had, I mean, I've had, I've had kids uh, get sick on stage and throw up <laughs> wow. in the middle of my act. <laughs> so where do you go from there? Yeah. Is it, when they do that, is it on the costume or just on the floor? Not to be on overly specific. Oh, okay, on the floor. Thank, thank I don't you. want to be too specific. Not on the dog, though, right? Not on the dog. Or the showgirl. I, mean, I don't want to do that. No, on the showgirl. No, not, on on not on Jade and not on Mr. Piffles. Not on you, but on the floor. So that's, that's workable. That you can work around. Well. Sort of. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the environmental services comes in and cleans it up pretty yes. sharply. But. Are they doing it while you're continuing the act? or the Yeah, it's a showstopper. Yeah, I bet it is, <laughs> yes. So in addition to a poor kid throwing up on stage, has there been any other reaction, perhaps someone that comes up and says they saw you in Great Britain or they saw you in another show or they pass out from joy or I'm just Yeah, we get people from all over the world coming to see the show in Vegas, and that's one of the great things about being in Vegas you know, that you attract this worldwide audience. Um, so we, we've had people from, you know, my home country, England, from Australia, from India, from, you know, all over the place. So you stay here, they come to you. Yeah, exactly. Are you considered a resident alien? Yeah, I've you, got my green card. Okay. I assume you're going to stay British no matter how long you're here. I don't know. I might take the citizenship test. Are you going to add additional features to your act as you continue to gain in popularity? Besides, I mentioned Jade and, of course, Mr. Piffles. Will there be other elements you'll add to the show? Well, we just moved into the Flamingo showroom at the Flamingo. So we've got an all-new show uh, with much bigger material because uh, it's a much bigger room. And uh, the show's, you know, my favorite show we've ever done in there. What were the challenges of moving to a bigger room at the Flamingo? You're obviously scaling up, but are there challenges to doing that, given the size of the stage and the props and you in costume, et cetera? Yeah, we had to reinvent everything we, we did because it was during COVID. We were the first headliner back on the Las Vegas Strip. And uh, we came back with a brand new show, uh, all new tricks, all new jokes, same dog. <laughs> well, since you were the first one back, and I remember that very clearly, you had to perform practicing a safe audience. So the seating of the audience, I'm sure, was a little different than you were normally used to. Yeah, we, I mean, at one point, we could only have 50 people in an 800-seat showroom. How do you deal with that as a performer? Uh, it was tough, but... Um... You know, we were grateful just to be working. So we, um, we sort of changed the show to deal with it and um, made the best of it. I could see it would be challenging. 
Do you see yourself being able to do additional things from your base here in Las Vegas? What I mean by that is either ongoing television or a podcast or something like those. I hope so. I mean, we love we love to sort of do things uh, off stage as well as on, and uh, that's why doing a special was a bit was a lot of fun because we got to um, film the off stage life of Piff, which can be very interesting for people who are following the adventures of Piff the Magic Dragon. YouTube production that you put and which has launched already and is available on YouTube at your channel is it a chronological presentation meaning some of your story and then magic or is it all magic performance it's it's a bunch of magic tricks that we shot in and around las vegas some of them are on stage some of them are at sites like we do a magic trick on the high roller um we do magic tricks on las on the las vegas boulevard do magic tricks to the blind uh we got David Copperfish and mine reading Goldfish. There's something for everyone. <laughs> you're not doing anything like a David Blaine situation where you're going to tight walk along the the wheel, the big wheel, right? Oh God, no. No, good. You're, you're playing it safe. Yeah. <laughs> How do you stay in shape for performances every night? Do you work out regularly? Yeah, work out five times a week. And somewhat eat healthy and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. I've got to fit in a suit. Yeah, that's true. Uh, do you have a custom tailor that can, if need be, or maybe when it's one of the backup dragon suits, where if you've just partied too much, you can let it out a little bit, or the tailor can give you a another suit that would work? How does that work? Um, I try and just uh, keep the weight down. Okay. That's the easiest way. Okay. I just figured there might be a backup suit in case you partied too much one time. Or if you go the other way, you get very, very healthy and lose weight. So you, right. don't, want, you don't want to have a costume. Yeah, get it nice and trim. Yeah, exactly. That could work very much. How do you work with the dog in the sense that dogs learn things, true, but magic dogs learn things even more complex, if that's the term? No, uh, this, this dog in my show uh, just sleeps the whole way through. Well, that's it. You have to train him to sleep, is my point. This is very sophisticated training. Yeah. He learned that himself. Oh, he did that himself. Okay. So he's yeah. all right then. Well, before I let you go, a couple of quick questions about your future. You obviously want to continue with the show. We talked about possibly doing some other things since you are based here. If you have the time and the energy to do it, and it sounds like you do, you work out, you eat right, your dog sleeps, I think it could work. What about movies? Any chance of doing a movie? And I could see it being based on Piff the Magic Dragon. Do you think that yeah. that's in the future? I mean, if somebody out there wants to make a Piff the Magic Dragon movie, I'm ready to go. Or to save you time and trouble, an animated Piff the Magic Dragon movie, which you could do the voiceover for. So you could do that yeah. again based here. There we go. I could, yeah, could do that without even leaving my house. Exactly. I'm just trying to come up with easy things for you to do, knowing how busy you are and you're taking the time to talk with me. So I think that works out. Last question. When working on new material and new illusions, is your approach the same as it was when you first started developing magic tricks and patter? Or is it more sophisticated now or more complicated now? Or is your approach hopefully, the same? Hopefully, I've got better at it over the years. So uh, these days, it's a little more streamlined. And for your illusion, your final illusion on the show, 
Do you ever speak American as opposed to the accent that you appear to have now? No, I, unfortunately, my American accent is dreadful and should not be heard in public. <laughs> but the English accent is delightful. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. My guest has been Piff the Magic Dragon, who, in addition to his popular residency at the Flamingo, Thursdays through Mondays at 7 p.m., has announced his first one-hour special, Reptile Dysfunction, which premiered July 1st on his own YouTube channel. And Penn Gillette joins Piff for a special appearance as Pop the Magic Dragon. For everything about Piff, go to PiffTheMagicDragon.com, and you can follow him on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Piff, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.